few weeks ago, I was able to tell you guys, um, you know, wholeheartedly and with full excitement that I believe, and I still believe, that deacons are getting to the church. And um, I think a lot of times it's hard. It's, it might, might be easier for us to see that and believe that than it is this next time I'm going to say. Elders are supposed to be a gift to the church, too. Um, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I've been working on this illustration all week, and I'm not sure how it's going to work, you know, to tell you the truth. But I sometimes think we think of um, deacons as more like those grandparents we really like to go see, and uh, elders as the parents we don't really want to live with. Um, you know, the, the one is sort of making you cookies, and the other one is smacking you at 6 in the morning making you go get on the school bus. So it's, the, it's the feeling we often get. I, I don't really think that's, that's justifiable, but in 23, nearly 24 years of pastoring, I think that's, uh, you know, 22 years, 23 years of pastoring, I think that's the way I've seen people often feel. Uh, the pastor's on their back. You, you better watch out. Your pastor's looking. Uh, uh, oh, but here's the deacons. They're just doing nice things for me. And I don't know if that's fair. And, um, and tonight, I, I hope you can begin with me to see in a fresh way how, how elders are with the deacons a gift to the church. I, I don't do this every Sunday, but I want to put a main idea up in front of you guys so that, you know, you'll, you'll help me stay on course. If, if I end up in a place that isn't giving you this main idea, then, then you can kick me in the butt when we get out of here. I believe for the local church to have sound faith and confession that leads to sound practice and habits, she needs leaders who will confront false teachers and false teaching. Now here's the unwritten part of this main point. And I believe that the people of that local church need to work in willing concert of lives of repentance when falseness is pointed out. Now why did I leave that off? Because everybody would go, yeah, get on preacher. But very few of us are running to receive this. Run away from that saint. Run away from that saint. Run away from them saint. Flee, saint. We don't mind when the preacher gets somebody we don't like. But it's hard for us to receive when the preacher's telling us, you ought not like that. And so tonight, I'm going to do a little spiritual warfare. And maybe it's mostly for my own benefit. Maybe it is. Because I want to tell you, you know, there's something cool that's going to happen in this passage. You're going to see it. You already have your Bibles open. Just look at your Bible before we get to it on the screen. The passage starts out with the word for. Why? I believe it starts out with the word for because it's answering a question. Why are solid, godly elders needed in the church? What do we need those guys for? And I believe tonight's passage is one of the many answers that we'll have. Now, any, uh, any Navy veterans in the house? Any Navy veterans? Anybody? Uh, any gentlemen in the Navy? Oh, Marines. Oh, yeah, we're in the Navy. Um, yeah, the, the, uh, the Marines are owned by the Navy. <laughs> no Navy veterans. I know we got Air Force veterans, Army veterans. What you're going to find is interesting. Show us this next slide. Let's use a little illustration. Would you, did you guys know this? Did you know that the United States has the fourth largest Navy in the world? Did y'all know that? Wow. Most of yes. Uh, and does anybody see anything that the first three might have in common? Anybody? Say it out loud. Oh, 
communists, they are, well, Russia wouldn't say they are, but I don't know who, somebody said it over here. I like it. They don't like us. Uh, did Christina say that? Christina, they officially don't like us. I mean, they, they've got statements out about this, right? They don't like us. Does anybody find that at all disconcerting? Okay, now let's look at it a little bit fuller. I had to do a little chopping to get this. And, oh, back up real quick, Grant. So this is a reference. Uh, if it's wrong, blame the internet. I didn't get to interview all of these countries. Look at this fuller picture. Now tell me what you notice if you have good vision. What do you notice? Don't be afraid to shout it out. What do you notice? Okay, I want to help y'all. That's a lot. Look at this. What does it say? It says, it says that we have 2,464 Navy aircraft. And if you combine the other nine countries, it's still more than all of them combined. And if you look at $877 billion, that's how much we expect it to be collected for the elders tonight, by the way. <laughs> the target number. Did y'all publish that deacon for us? I don't know. Uh, I, I, all right, now, now, because of, check this out. Because of this, we get this. That was a dramatic thing. Let's, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Because of that, we get this. Now you can start chanting, we're number one. We're number So is it air, is it uh, naval craft superiority? Is it that? No, it's aircraft superiority. Now, it's not in my notes, it's not on the screen, this is a test. If you were going to say there was a, there was a air weapon system for the church, what would you say it was? Prayer. I don't know who said it, you're right. I think someone said the kitchen committee. That's, uh, second. 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 I, I would say if, if we were looking for air superiority, prayer would be it. And if you remember the book of Daniel, Daniel was praying and there was a battle going on in the air. Wow, isn't that crazy? Right? So they got way more boats. We got made more, way more planes. It's really about air superiority. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you, a local church will be as strong as its prayer life is. And then it will be as, secondly, it will be as strong as its ground forces are. We first got to win the battle of the air, and then we win the battle of the ground. Now I'm an old soldier. I'm an old soldier. And I'll tell you, nothing sounds as good as help coming from above. Nothing sounds as good. Now, with that being said tonight, I want to use just a, just a military metaphor. I, I believe our nation, our congressmen, they, they, they make these laws and set these budgets because they know our three biggest enemies are running around the oceans. I believe they, they, they respond to that. I believe the reason we have such a big navy with such a big air component of our navy is because our enemies are so large. So tonight, why would God give us elders? Why? Because he knows the enemy is strong. 
and he knows there's a contention that needs to happen on the ground right where we are and he needs people to stand in the gap. The United States Navy has the quality of weaponry. And this is where I would tell you your elders need to be men of the book. They need to be learned men of the book. Does that mean they have to have a diploma? No, but they should be studied. Make no mistake about it. In one movie, a man chastised a Harvard graduate by saying, everything you know you could have gotten for $1.50 in late fees at a public library. Your elders should be learned men. They should be students of the word. And they also should call you constantly to practice the war of air superiority. Now, with that as a backdrop, with that as a backdrop, look with me if you would, Titus chapter 1, beginning at verse number 10. And what's that first word again? Everybody say it together, the first word? Now, my old pastor told me when you see a therefore in the Bible, you should back up and find out what it's there for. We should find out what this for is there for. I'm going to tell you. God says, here are elders, and here's what kind of people they should be. Why? Because this is the kind of thing they're going to have to deal with. You hear me? This is the kind of, now like, like uh, I, I got I to gotta give you all this. If, if we're going to say right now, our church is going to compete in the church Olympics, and uh, we're going to have foot races. I'm a little offended. I run like Fred Flintstone. My upper body don't move. My legs just go fast. Nobody's going to pick me. Nobody's going to pick me for that. We're not. When we have the time trials, I'm going to watch and drink lemonade. Right? You know everything you do has qualifications. So it says here are these qualifications and and uh, I think if you were here last week you would agree with me or if you were there last week you would agree with me. Matt Aiken did a great job with that. Amen? So we know the qualifications. Why is this so serious? Keep that in your mind as you read this passage. Why is this so serious? Now, let's look at the passage. For there are, how many y'all? who are insubordinate, empty talkers, and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain, gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and to the commands of the people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Father, as we open your word, help me not to convolute it, but to open it to our hearts and minds. In Jesus, I pray, amen and amen. This is probably where we ought to have church every week. I can see that the tables are set up for eating. That may help me be brief. First thing I'd like to share with you guys is this. Biblical elders must be ready to contend with divisive 
people. Could this get down to individuals? Yes, absolutely. Sometimes we are dealing with people, people we can actually identify and name. If you go back and look at the passage in verse 10, this is, well, there are many. In other words, I think he was speaking of a general idea that would make them think of specific people. Like I might, I might get amongst a group of preachers, for example, and I'll say, there are many who teach the gospel as simply an issue of prosperity. And the moment I say that word, they begin to think of people who do that, right? They begin to think of names and they see faces. Sometimes we're dealing with people and sometimes they're famous people and they're sometimes they're the girlfriends you went out with on Friday night. They're the co-workers you have settled conversations with. They're your kinfolk. And sometimes we have to say that person is telling you something not true. Do you know how easy that is? If I'm just going to name someone like, um, let me see if I can name it with a look. Say it. How did y'all know that? How could I just stand and smile at you and you say, Joel Osteen? So if I get on Joel Osteen, some of you are only upset because you just spent $14.99 on his latest devotional book. What you're really mad about is you just blew 15 bucks while I'm putting down somebody who encourages you. What does it get down to it when I say your girlfriends who you hang out with are leading you astray? The guys that you play softball with are leading you astray. The people that I see you talking about politics with on Facebook are leading you astray. It gets personal then, doesn't it? And we, we tend to not like that. But wouldn't you see that this is for the church when the elders would not only name the Joel Osteens, but they would also name the Joe Smiths? We haven't had a Joe Smith in here tonight. It's you. <laughs> Are y'all with me tonight? We must contend with divisive people. And sometimes that makes us seem like we're saying we don't like your kid folks. Maybe we don't. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is bad company corrupts good morals. And it's just true. So let me share with you three quick ideas. Number four, that's a lot. First, these often manifest as people who will not submit to orthodox, legitimate, biblical standards and or practices. Like you have that relative who says, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. That is unbiblical. That is a lie. And when you keep telling yourself that they're right and your pastor just goes along with it, he's doing you no service. None at all. Somebody says, show me the verse. I will, it's the whole lot. <laughs> but there's all kinds of things. What it boils down to is be careful of those people who won't submit to any authority anywhere. You want, to, you want me to tell you how I saw this come out so much in the last few years? 
when American citizens would say to another American citizen, your president. If you ain't denied your citizenship and left the country, it's also your president. Now you might not like your president, but he's your president. But, he, but, he, but he, he's your president. And the last one was my president too. I'm not making sense to anybody. Sometimes it's manifest in slick ways where someone says, we have a new preacher, and so I'm going to stop going to church because I don't like him. Like, do you have a reason to not like him? Why do you not like him? Is there other churches that you might could sit under a shepherd? Here in this case, what Paul was addressing to Titus is he ministered on the island of Crete. What he was really talking about were people who would not subject themselves to the pure and simple message of the gospel. The pure and simple message of the gospel. And I would say they manifest as two types. Are y'all ready for this? There are the legalists who say, you have Jesus, great, you need this too. You need the right translation of the Bible. You ladies can't wear pants. You, you men, you men, you, you, you know, you men, you, you have to not wear your hat in church. <laughs> Donnie pointed his time keeping it on. <laughs> you, there's no way you can be a Christian, they might say, and do these things or not do these things. And what they do is they say the grace of God through the Lord Jesus isn't enough. Someone might even say in their day, great, you believed on Jesus. How you have you now been circumcised? It always makes me nervous, because who's checking? <laughs> That's something you give to the newest members of the church. You're on that committee, you know. <laughs> New deacons. <laughs> Mike will be heading up that committee. Get new glasses. Just like, finally! <laughs> Dale is giving everyone a pass. <laughs> or the other side of this is liberalists. People who think God's okay with everything. Guess what, guys? Guess what? God's not okay with everything. So they, they, they manifest as people who don't submit. Or they submit to something besides the Lordship of Jesus. They often also manifest as people who are far more talk than substance. I get confused by people who have no problem praising on Sunday but live like hell just as soon as they get out of the parking lot. I have a problem with people who read the New Testament and suddenly think they need a jet airplane or a mansion or a limousine or a sports car. I see a New Testament that's challenging its people to give its stuff away, not pour its stuff in. On and on and on. More talk than substance. They're idle talkers. These often also manifest as people who use spiritual language for personal gain. That's what it tells us in verse 11. It says that that's what they're out for. Shameful gain. You know, if you happen to be a, a guest, I don't want you to think I'm bragging. Most everybody here knows what I'm going to say. 
I've written some books. And I, I get confused about all the Christian authors who make so much money off God's name. I get really confused about that. I, I do. And so just to guard my own heart, all my royalties go not to me or anybody, they don't go to any member of my family. So I get confused. Okay, God gave you something that was worth writing down that you think is worth people reading and what that parlayed into is you getting a bigger house. If it was ever a gift to the church, wisely. <clears throat> I know we have a lot of talented musical people, but all these Christian artists who make a ton of money, I ain't got no problem making a ton of money. It's what do what we parlay that into? Am I making sense to anybody in this place? So we have to watch out for people who are in it for shameful gain, but don't think that it's just money. Some people love to be noticed. Some people love to be praised. Some people love to have a parking spot that no one else can park in. I have one here. And I love it. And every once in a while, one of my coworkers puts me in my place. And I hate them. I don't. I'm kidding. There's all kinds of ways this can manifest. Sometimes people want people to follow them more than they're concerned about people following Jesus. Amen. I think one of the best things about having multiple elders is we share the workload and it, resist, it helps us naturally resist the temptation for people to be on our side. I think we labor together for people to be on God's side. Now what happens with these people, and I could say a lot about all of these, and like, like uh, I exhorted Matthew last week, you know, people are working in the nursery, and I have to remember that. I don't know who put that clock up there, but God bless you. <laughs> these often tear whole families apart, or they tear the family away from the faith, or they tear the family away from the church. And so if we would think of elders as a gift, they're God's ground troops saying, hey, we're here to point you, to follow those, to listen to those, to give value to the voice of those who are submitted to Jesus, who are submitted to his church in its many manifestations. The church is a big, beautiful thing. It comes out in all kinds of ways. And don't give ear to those people who are living as rebels. Can I, can I give a side sermon? Jesus won't a rebel, y'all. I hate when people call Jesus a rebel. He's the only one that was perfectly obedient. Every, he looks like a rebel because we're so far from God. Right. He's a perfect citizen of the world and the kingdom. Isn't that a wild, and of heaven. Isn't that a wild notion? Both separated realities and the overlapping reality, he was a perfect citizen in all of them. Wow. Not a rebel. You say, Jesus was a rebel. I just, I, I wish I had an app where it would slap him from the pew. I can just go, oh, get me up. Secondly, biblical elders must be ready to contend against deceptive principles. Let me go through this fast, seeing the time. I'm belaboring this because I'm passionate about it. Sometimes it's not a person. Sometimes I can't tell you, don't listen to Hitler. We don't quite know where Hitler is in this. Who's the Hitler? 
You know? Sometimes it's an idea. Y'all ready? I'm going to give you one. Love wins. Love is love. I, I don't know who to blame for this, but I can say, first, are you talking about love as God would define it? Is it even love? Is it even really? So we have to not just point out the people. We have to point out the deceptive principles. I can list a whole bunch of them. I wrote an article so powerful that it will be released in the paper next week that my, even my own wife cried proofreading. The first recorded mention of Hitler's anti-Semitism happened 14 years before he came to power. It was one sentence. How could you get carried away so that some 26 years later, half the world lay in ruins behind the man's principle. Don't tell me ideas don't matter. As a matter of fact, sometimes we have to identify the problem, then we have to identify the source of the problem, and then we identify the people who are sourcing the problem. You say, I can't see that, preacher. Let's say you're at a campsite, and all of a sudden, all the three through seven-year-olds are out of their mind. And then you notice that they all have popsicles. And they're all jacked up on sugar, like crackheads on sale night. And you start to ask these children, what question? Who gave you that? And then you go talk to that person, and you find out it's some grandparent who doesn't have to put any of them to bed. Sometimes we deal with things at the affect level before we deal with them at the object level. That's what he's telling us right here when he tells us in verse 12 and following. He says, listen, the Cretans, even in their poetry, they reveal that there are people who are off base. So this can come from the culture or the chapel. You say, preacher, where did you get that? He told them to first watch out for the Judaizers. That's what he told them in verse 10. Watch out for those, those Jewish people who have come to the faith in Jesus or not, but could be leading you astray. Watch out for those inside the organization. And then secondly, you got to watch out for those out in the culture. One of the greatest tools of the devil is to normalize immorality to the point that we don't even notice it. Were y'all asleep when I said that? And I'll say this, these things, these principles cannot be wished away. They must be wisely confronted. There's a debate raging in our community right now, for example, about a book in our public library. How many of you like this? Raise your hand. And it's, uh, you don't have to believe me. Uh, matter of fact, I don't even want to talk about it. Ask Christina. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, some imagery that I would not promote to, uh, actually adults, truth be told. But definitely not the small children. And it's created this little firestorm now, you know. 
And I was in a group of pastors who wrote a very erudite letter of objection and signed our name to it. And we were a little bit decried by many circles for that, you know. And uh, there's been some meetings, and there's going to be another meeting tomorrow. And I had planned to go to it, public meeting of the library. Right? I'm not going now. You know why? Because a political group is now going. And this political group wants all these Christians to come alongside them. And now I have a definite concern that I will be thought to be with them. And I ain't with them. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not. So I would just say to my people, don't walk into any place and let someone read a book to your kid that you don't know is being read. Don't walk into any place and let kids just pick books up. Do the work. Don't just set them down in front of any television show. Some of the most godless things I've ever heard in my life were presented through children's programs. You say, I thought we were supposed to be having prosperous appreciation. Why is he talking about this? <laughs> I think a lot of times we just hope to wish all this away. Your elders have to stand at the forefront of equipping our people to wisely navigate this foolish and treacherous world. Some of the things that sneak up on you are through your favorite television shows. Your favorite songs. Just because I saw John nodding on you, your favorite games. Everything has a theology. And what I don't want to do is create some list where I say, you stay away from this list. What I want to do as an elder is to teach you how to navigate the depths of a raging sea yourself. Stand with God there yourself. You can't be wished away. You must be wisely confronted. Lastly, and very quickly, so much more could be said here. So much more should be said. Let me say it to honor the context most appropriately. There was a problem there with the church on Crete that they had people who had come in from several angles. And when, when Paul says rebuke them, I want you to notice first, he's not saying rebuke the public library, rebuke the Cretans, rebuke the Judaizers. He's actually saying rebuke the people in the congregation who started listening to that. Everybody like that. My granddaddy loved dogs, but he didn't let them sit on the porch. Whenever a dog was on the porch, this is what my granddaddy sounded like. Get on my dog, boy! <laughs> the dog spoke that language because it moved. He didn't yell at the porch. Yell at the dog, right? Who do we rebuke first? The living creatures, not the dead ones. Tweet that. That was pretty good. Worked on that all week. I ain't preaching three weeks. It took me three weeks to come up with that. So why would your pastor confront you because he expects you to be alive? Thirdly, quickly, lastly. Biblical elders must be ready to contend with defiled professors. No, I'm not just talking about college people. What he says to us in verses 15 and 16, 
you know, basically says whatever's in the whale comes up in the bucket. You can have bad stuff in your whale. And so if your whale is bad, whatever comes out of your whale is bad. So if you look at verse 15, he says, listen, if you got a pure whale, pure stuff will come out. In other words, if it's pure within and your confession comes out, you can believe that confession. But if the whale is tainted, then whatever's drawn up out of it will be tainted. Amen? Don't take my word for it. I think it's worth a quick aside. You'll see it without me belaboring it. Look at Mark chapter 7. It'll be on the screen. There's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. This is, they're asking Jesus. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. In other words, Jesus is telling us all foods are clean. That don't mean all foods are good for you, amen? 60% of what is sold is calamari is something else. Shrimp do in the ocean what cockroaches do in this building. I'm here for the people. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, googity-moogity. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. In other words, just because somebody tells you they love the Lord, if the well is got bad water, and what spews out is bad water. Amen. That's country boy preaching. They lack purity, verse 15 tells us. Why? Because the whale is contaminated. Look at verse 14, 15 for yourself. To the pure, all things are pure. There's so much more here worth talking about. You're going to enjoy digging through this in, in life together this week. I hope you will. These false teachers, you know, why does foolishness come out of their mouths? Why does foolishness manifest in their life? Why do they say things for selfish gain? Why do they use it for selfish gain? Because it's what's in them. It's what's in them. They produce poison. The confession is corrupt. These are strong words right here in the Bible. And you know what he said in context. He said, listen, let me tell you why you need elders. Because you need people that God would use to train you how to navigate the very dangerous waters of life. It's there. It's there in for the money, man. Watch out. If they're in for the praise, watch out. Watch out. Amen? If they're in it so, so they can feel like people are following them, watch out. Watch out. Seriously, watch out. Watch out. I, I happen to believe, uh, you know, I happen to believe we have a good love for church. I really do. I do. I, I, I use the Navy illustration to start with because I'm going to end with it. My chief concern is that uh, 
We don't take that arrogant real serious. And don't tell me you don't have time to go to the prayer meeting. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me you don't have time to respond to the request for prayer information. Right? I believe the devil's been having a heyday of us, and I'm not getting on folks, I'm coming against him. I, I want to rebuke the living people to watch out what you're doing with the gift of your time. What are you doing with the gift of your time? Right? I believe our culture has crept in and made us too busy to be about the things of the Lord. Too busy to be about the things of the Lord. So I want to urge us to, uh, Matthew said last week, uh, he says, uh, I didn't respond to this. I, this is a paraphrase. I don't even know where Matthew is. I lost him. He's somewhere. Oh, there you are. Oh, your head's shining. I found him. Huh? <laughs> That's just a put down on Matthew. Don't worry about that. Like, we should use this passage to examine our hearts. If our elders are to be contending this way, let's ask ourselves, how should I be contending? One, I should be receiving, I should be receiving sound teaching. I should be seeking help in testing my thought process. And I definitely should be in the air warfare game. I should be praying for the people I go to church with. I should be praying for kingdom things. I should be, I should be praying for those that God has called to lead. Amen? But I... Uh, I want to close with the gospel. Uh, John and, and Michael and those guys, and uh, who was up here tonight? Cassidy and Tammy, Carson, Chick Clay, and, and um, Donnie led us in what has become one of my favorite songs. I always call it the pirate song. It's called Death in His Grave, but I call it the pirate song. I always feel like I should be swabbing the deck. Oh, oh, oh. I keep looking for the black pearl to come around, you know? But do you see what happens is, is uh, this Lord Jesus, they hung him between two thieves on a Friday. But on Sunday, he defeats death. And they call him the firstborn among the dead. He wasn't the first one that ever came up. Did y'all know that? He raised a couple people from the dead. Why do they call him the firstborn? Because those other ones were raised up and had to die again, like Lazarus. He raised up and never dies again. He's the firstborn of the forever. And why did he rise up from the grave? Because he had done the work of shedding his blood to pay the debt of sin. Right? And then he defeated the enemy of death. He frustrated the plan of Satan. So I love that we were singing that song. He laid down in grief, but he awoke with the keys. What did he awake with the keys to him that day? He woke with the keys of hell. He's the firstborn of the slain. And we saw in Revelation just a few weeks ago that he has that key. He has, he's the only one worthy to open the scroll. He has the key to hell. And he is going to be the one who decides to go there. This Jesus. So that Satan doesn't care who you follow as long as it's not that Jesus. Satan doesn't care what you get distracted by, what you get taken away by, what you get caught up in, as long as you're not concentrating on Jesus. You don't care whose house you walk into as long as you don't walk into Jesus' door. Thank God we serve a Savior who has laid death in his grave 
And that's the Savior that offers himself to you, church. The great grace of God through the Lord Jesus is so important that our spiritual enemy throws out 10 million flares so that we don't see the one true light. And the, I, I would contest that the elders are a gift to the church. Why? Because there's a lot of fools trying to keep you away from the Lord. My heart for you is that you believe on Jesus and be believing on Jesus. Be believing on Jesus. Do you believe on him today? The Bible says if you believe in your heart, that's the seat of your affections, if you're confessing with your mouth, Anybody know what the next line says? What's it say, church? You will be saved. All right? He's done the work. We believe on the worker. We believe on Jesus. Maybe today is the day that you receive him as Savior and also Lord. In church, are you willing to invite the body of Christ to be a defense force for you, to joyfully help you Analyze things that could be robbing your devotion to Jesus. We will really get on with the Lord when we say to our brothers and sisters, help me take a look at myself. As we sing together, I come to ask you to listen for the Holy Spirit to lead you in response. Let's pray. God, we thank you for a chance to be in this literal special place this week. Special location for us, but it's special because... It's, it's your earth. This is your place. And we don't have to invite you here. You're here. What we might have to do is to invite you to help us to pay attention to your presence. So indeed, speak to our hearts as only you can. Teach us that we can rest in your finished work because you're still watching over your finished work. Teach us to rest in you. Father, there's someone who is yet to know you as Savior and Lord. And I pray you give them life, give them truth, and give them faith. And cause them to put that faith in you. In Jesus I pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing the rest of the Lord.